uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out of my, my pastor role for just a second. So pardon my French. It's been a hell of a week. Y'all heard the news, right? Uh, our beloved uh, sister, Pat Brosset, just like that, took her last breath. And uh, it always comes as a shock, right? I mean, it shouldn't. It shouldn't because uh, we know that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Your next breath is not even guaranteed. Uh, death is a part of life. It's something that we all must face, and, uh, but it still shocks us. And um, so cling tightly to those you love. Uh, cling tightly to those you don't love and maybe figure out a way to love them <laughs> because there's no guarantees. There just are no guarantees. Of course, I can't imagine what Mike is even feeling right now. Uh, they were going to try to make it to church uh, today, uh, but I got a text from Sharon this morning just saying, hey, it's not going to happen, which I don't blame them. I, I couldn't imagine them trying to navigate this this in the midst of that. So just, just pray for them. Keep them in your hearts. Hold them close. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Um, but, you know, they're not the only ones going through stuff. Everybody here has stuff that they're dealing with. Um, you know, the Diesterhoffs yesterday, we had a lovely service for Anita's mom. Uh, you know, and getting the text for, for, for Pat uh, early that morning as we were preparing for that was just like a double whammy. And so, you know, it's just, it, it's tough. And then, and then some of you this morning have told me I've got stuff going on and I'm tired and I'm about ready to give up and give in and I don't know how to move forward. And th this, this is something that, this, this is something that unites us, our suffering uh, is something that we all share, and yet we go through this suffering as though we are alone, or, or perhaps we have our spouse, uh, but beyond that, you know, we're kind of suffering by ourselves. But if you just, if you looked around, if you heard some of the stories in this room, you would know that this is uh, something that we are all united by, and yet um, somehow, some way, we are uh, we are called to find hope. <clears throat> and joy and thankfulness and gratitude um, in the midst of this, and that's a tricky thing. And so I'd like to, I'd like to kick off our prayer time this morning with, um, with just a little mental break, okay? Because I, I think sometimes you need a mental break. <laughs> and so I, we've talked a little bit about centering prayer I would like to do just a, a very brief centering prayer exercise this morning, okay? So if everybody would just close your eyes, and I want you to take um, three slow, deep breaths in through your nose and then out through your mouth. Do that at your own pace. Good. So we begin with the breath because, number one, the Bible tells us that 
the Spirit is the breath. It's the same word, Holy Spirit, Holy Breath, one and the same thing. And so that is God's breath in your lungs right now. Number two, we do that because it disrupts the narratives that are already going on in our heads. If you came this morning with a lot of stress, with a lot of physical pain, with a lot of hurt, a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety about what's coming up, the breath is the first thing that disrupts that, that narrative that's looping in your head, okay? Now, in centering prayer, you receive a sacred word, and this is going to be your grounding word to bring you back to center. I'm going to give you that word today. I'm going to actually give you a phrase, and that phrase is, be still. Be still. So now as you sit here with your eyes closed, three deep breaths in your lungs, I want you to simply shut out all that stuff that's looping in your head right now and simply be in the presence of God. God is in this place. God is within you. God is all around. And so become aware of that presence by simply sitting. Now here's what's going to happen. As you sit here and you try to simply be in the presence of God, uh, maybe an argument you had this morning with somebody is going to pop up in your mind. When that happens... You say your secret word, be still. I only need a couple minutes, brain. Be still. Perhaps uh, what needs to happen after church is going to pop up for you. Oh, I've got to go get some groceries and I've got to prepare a meal for my family or whatever it is that pops up in your mind, be still. Maybe you have physical pain in your body and your brain is saying, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. Uh, I need to shift, I need to move, I need to get up, I can't sit here any longer, whatever. Be still. Be still. I only need 10 minutes. Five minutes, whatever it is. Some of you can be very unnerving sitting with silence. But this is an exercise that you can do five minutes a day. If you just need a break, if things are becoming overwhelming for you, pause and practice this. This is the most intimate form of prayer that exists. Simply being with God and clearing out all the extra stuff for just a couple minutes.
Holy One, you created the heavens and earth, the snails and gazelle, the dandelion and rose, inchworms and kittens and heirloom tomatoes and kites and ocean waves and all the hues of the color blue, and we are grateful. We are grateful that we have any sense at all of your mysterious presence. Grateful that you give us life. And we ask simply that we live abundantly and fully into your calling to be your love in this world. Even so, we know that instead of loving recklessly and wastefully, we live hedging our bets and we live on the safe side, but we do care, Lord. God, we do care. And so we pray for those who suffer. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are lost. We pray for your dear earth that gasps for help. We pray for your dear innocents who are targets of random violence and war and neglect. Help us remember this morning that we are your beloved children and that we live in your beloved world and that we are alive and we can experience life. We have no guarantees that this will go on for the rest of today or for the rest of the week, but for right now, we can experience life. Bring your healing and your love in the corners and streets and spaces in which we live and move and have our being. We pray this prayer of gratitude and stillness in the name of our Maker and our Savior and our friend, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, our, uh, it's so crazy. Look, I don't pick the texts. You know, it's kind of a somber day, and you're going to laugh when you hear the text for today, because it's anything but somber, but we're reading Psalm 100 today. <laughs> okay, Lord, we're going to listen. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. A word from God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Uh, Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Sounds pretty bold, doesn't it? These are the words that Matthew tells us Jesus begins his ministry. Begins with the words, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, for some of you, for many of you, you hear that and you automatically think, get rid of your sins because heaven is coming, right? That's how I heard it growing up. Repent. But I told you you guys last week or the week before, repent actually doesn't mean what we think it means. It is the Greek word metanoia. Now, you've heard paranoia, right? Paranoia is like somebody who's maybe got some irrational thinking going on. So para, alongside, noia, mind. So this is metanoia. So mind is still there. Meta meaning beyond, bigger. Uh, Facebook just changed their name to meta. Okay, so meta meaning we're, we're building, we're, go, we're, we're moving beyond this, okay? So metanoia literally means change your mind, think outside the box. That's what it literally means. It has nothing to do with sin. It has nothing to do with, with, you know, confess your sin and stop doing it. Although that's what we, we repent, that's automatically what we think. But it means change your mind, think outside the box. So he says, change your mind, the kingdom of heaven has come near. So what is he asking us to do here? What is it that he wants us to to rethink, change our mind about? He wants us to rethink, where is heaven? Where is heaven? Jesus says, it has drawn near. It's nearer than you could even imagine. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, it is all around you and it is within you. Now, this is really, really important for Jesus to begin his ministry this way. This is the first thing he says in the Gospel of Matthew. Really important for him to begin his ministry this way because every good Jew in Jesus' time knew where God's dwelling place was. They knew where heaven was. It was located in the Holy of Holies, which was the most inward part of the temple complex. There was a tiny room in the most inward part, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant stood, and this was God's footstool. So God's presence was so big, God couldn't be contained in this place, but maybe his pinky toe rested on the the Ark of the Covenant. And so this, this was where the presence of God was met. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to rethink this. Rethink where God is, where God dwells, because God is no longer going to tolerate being stuffed into a tiny box. Hence the word, think outside the box. Today, we begin a new series titled, Our Hymn of Grateful Praise. Uh, I think that the, the folks that, that uh, at, at the UMC Discipleship uh, website uh, kind of came up with this series, maybe as a way to, uh, we have Advent, which prepares us for Christmas, so this is kind of like a, 
preparation for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is coming. And so we need to prepare our hearts for this. And so they picked out this passage today, Psalm 100, which, you know, I just read it to you, but begins, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, not just the people, but every portion of the earth, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. For the Lord is good and His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. It was thought in Jesus' time that God's presence could only be accessed in the temple structure in Jerusalem. And so because of this, faithful Jewish families, Jesus' family included, year after year after year would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Wherever they lived, for their family they lived in Nazareth, they would make the trek down to Jerusalem so that they could worship God and come into the presence of God. And so when this psalmist writes this psalm, this is what he's referring to. It's time to make our way to Jerusalem to worship God and to be in the presence of God because God's not in Nazareth. God is not in Galilee. God is in Jerusalem in the Holy of Holies. In fact, now you can pull up that picture, legend. Thank you, buddy. Is that, it is legend, right? Thanks, bud. So, so I found a picture of how the temple would have looked in Jesus' day. Uh, and, and so you've got, you've got the outer wall with several gates. Uh, you've got the golden gate is listed here. It's kind of hard to read. Here's another gate on the side. We know from the book of Acts there was one called the beautiful gate. So they had different names. And so then you would enter in, in through whatever gate you were coming in and enter into the court that was appropriate for you. So you can see, yes, the Gentiles could actually enter into the courts. They had their own courts in which they could assemble. In the pink, the women also had a place. They could assemble in the women's court. The blue one, the court of Israel, that's the men's court, right? That's where they could assemble. Uh, then in the green area, that's where the priests would assemble around the altar. And then you've got the, the actual uh, temple itself, which contained, I believe, a room and a room, and then the most holy place where the presence of God was. Now, for this one or two priests once a year could enter into that space, right? So if you were making your way to Jerusalem and you were a Gentile who served uh, the God of Israel, the closest you could come to God's presence would be in the court of Gentiles. If you were a woman, that's as close as you could get. If you were a man, you could get a little bit closer. If you were a priest, you could get a little bit closer. If you were the high priest that year, you and you alone could enter into the presence of God once a year. And so, taking that with Psalm 100, what the writer is saying here, keep that up for a second, legend. Make your way to Jerusalem with joyful noises and gladness. Enter the gates, whichever gate you're going to enter into, Enter that gate with thanksgiving. Be grateful for life. Be grateful for the all you have. Be grateful for this moment to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Then you enter your appropriate court, whatever court it is that you belong. 
Enter that court with praise. Honor God for who God is. The writer tells us he is good and steadfast and loving and faithful. And then finally, as close as you could get, come into the presence of God with singing. And so this was the way it was done. For hundreds and hundreds of years, Psalm 100 was written way before Jesus' time. This was what they did every single year, sometimes multiple times a year. And so Jesus comes out of the gate swinging. Repent. Rethink this whole thing. Rethink where God is because God's dwelling place is all around you and is, in fact, within you. You do not have to journey to some place to be in it. Was Jesus saying, don't make pilgrimage to Jerusalem? No, he wasn't saying that. He was a faithful Jew. He made pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But he was just saying, don't think that you have to come here to come into the presence of God. You simply have to become aware of the presence of God around you and within you. Now, unfortunately, the first followers of Jesus may have understood this, but as time went on, well, the church did not repent. The church did not rethink this structure. In fact, we just replicated it within our buildings. Think about this. You enter into the building. The first place you come is the narthex. And we, we talked last week. The narthex was for the Gentiles, the non-believers. If you hadn't confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, that's as far as you could go. The sanctuary, then, is the gathering place for God's people, the church. And some churches maybe would have split men and women. We don't do that. We, it's mixed now. But this space is reserved for that. This is your court. This right here, this is called the chancel. This is my space, right? Because I'm authorized. I'm the priest. I'm the one who's able to come up onto this place. You, you all stay down there. If you don't believe, you stay out there, and I'll stay right here. And then you have the altar where the, the presence of God is. And so the one authorized. Do you see how we just replicated this in our churches? Do you see that? We, we didn't rethink. Jesus came, came saying, repent, rethink this whole thing. And we said, okay, we'll just redesign the building, and, but it'll be the same thing. I talked to you last week about uh, the mystics, these, these handful of folks throughout the history of Christianity, and, and, and really it's not just in the Christian religion, it's other religions too. All the mystics con concluded the same thing. Jesus was telling the truth. I found God at the deepest part of me. You know, we've talked about Thomas Merton on the uh, busy street corner in Louisville. He went, oh my gosh, God is in all these people, and God is in me. And I love them all because they are me, and I'm them, and we're all in this together. Uh, another lady we read about, Catherine of Genoa, while taking communion, came to this realization. The mystics, over and over and over and over, said, God is not very far from us. I now know God is not far. Well, there was this 16th century Spanish mystic. Her name was Teresa of Avila, she had one of these moments where she came to understand the nearness of God, and so she wrote a book about it. It's a very famous book called The Interior Castle, and in that book, she says, you know, 
the soul is like this castle, and it's filled with rooms. And through prayer and through other uh, times of contemplation, meditation, you can actually work your way through these rooms until you get to the throne room in your heart where God is situated, right? It sounds woo-woo, like we're all like, okay, whatever, crazy lady. But she said, no, this is real. Like, this this is what I saw this is what I heard, this is what I felt, and, and this is the way that I think you can maybe make it there yourself, too. And, and it's really interesting because the way she talks about it, you know, when Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you in my Father's house are many rooms, she's saying, like, all of that is in here. In my Father's house, in the soul, she imagined, are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you and we'll come and take you. And so, so she writes this book. It's like, it's not out there, it's in here. And let me tell you about my experience. And I thought, man, what if we took Teresa's concept uh, of the, the, the soul as a castle, but instead we imagined it like the temple structure? 16th century Spanish castles were all the rage, right? What if we imagined the temple structure and we reread Psalm 100 in light of Jesus' command to rethink where God is and how to enter into the presence of God? What if we use that as the template? This is what I came up with. So the writer of Psalm 100 says, you begin by choosing gladness and joy. Rejoice and be glad all the earth. So you begin with preparing to come into the presence of God by choosing gladness and joy. That's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to do today. But find something to be joyful about. Something to be glad about. This kind of prepares. You imagine pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but this is, we're entering into the throne room of God in your heart. The Hebrew word for uh, gladness there means to take delight in or take pleasure in God. So you just find something to take pleasure in that, that comes from God, okay? Then, The next thing the writer says is, you enter the gate with what? Thanksgiving. So we enter into that first space, that first entryway with Thanksgiving. Now this makes sense because Thanksgiving seems to be the key to making that first approach to coming into the presence of God. Gratitude. Lots of people will tell you, gratitude. There's something special about gratitude. It opens up new areas to inhabit. Okay, so find something to be grateful for. That's hard to do on a day like this. You've given me two hard tasks here. Choose joy and be thankful. Okay. Then the writer says, now you're going to enter into the staging area, which he calls the court. This is the assembly area. This is where the people of God would assemble to await the presence of God. The courts. Enter into the court with praise. 
Enter the gate with thanksgiving. Enter the court with praise. Praise is to pro- proclaim the excellence of God. Right? So we, we do this. When we sing worship songs in our prayers, we're not asking God for anything. Uh, we're, we're, we're not talking to God about our feelings. We're simply proclaiming the excellence of God. You are almighty. You are holy. You are worthy of our praise and adoration and worship. Right? Just telling God, this is who you are to me. Praise. Finally, the writer says, come into God's presence with singing. Isn't that interesting? Singing. Now, as a musician, there is something special about music. Uh, there, There are times in which you can listen to a song and it just conjures up memories of something that you hold very dear or you're moved to tears by the by the the composition itself the music itself or perhaps the lyrics what's being said music is powerful it was said that david would would soothe saul's headaches he would have these headaches and he would summon david as a boy and he would come and play the harp and it would soothe the headache of Saul. There's something special about music. Now, some of you are going, Pastor, I'm not good at singing. If I try to sing to the Lord, I'm going to drive His presence away from me. You don't want to hear me singing. Well, it's okay. God, God welcomes it. And if you're not a very good singer, put on your favorite music and just hum along to it or turn it up loud and sing under it, okay? If you feel that, if you feel that conscious about it. But God welcomes your singing. Music, enter into the presence of God with singing. Okay, so let's recap this. You start with gladness and joy. You enter the first gate with thanksgiving. You gather yourself in the waiting room, anticipating coming into the presence of God with praise. And then finally, you sing to the Lord as you await His appearing. I never really thought about that before. I never put that together. Now, I know this is not a magical formula, right? There there is no set way. You you can't finagle God. You you cannot say, God, I want to become aware of your presence, so I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then you keep up your end of the bargain and reveal yourself to me. That's not how it works, right? Paul was on the road to Damascus, getting ready to kill people when God made his presence known. Thomas Merton on a busy street corner. Catherine of Genoa taking communion. For you, I don't know where it might be. When God's presence becomes revealed, oh my gosh, God is closer than my very breath. I never knew. I don't know what that moment is for you, but perhaps, perhaps this could be a way to start in preparing yourself and expecting God's presence to become known to you in a way that you've never known it before. Now, ultimately, what I did with you this morning in centering prayer, I think this this is a key element because one of the things that the mystics always say is that eventually you have to cease all activity, all striving, and simply be. If you want to know God's presence, simply be. Be, And so I thought, okay, can I find this in, in, in Psalm 100? I sure did. 
Because the writer says, after all that, the writer says, bless the name of God. By that, he means the holy name of God, the revealed name, Yahweh, which we don't even know how to pronounce it because it didn't have vowels. Y-H-W-H. The best you can do is breathe it. The word bless there, bless the name of the Lord, means to bow down and become still. It's there, right? So gladness, thanksgiving, praise, singing, and finally stillness and just bowing before the Almighty, breathing the name of God. And perhaps, if you're lucky enough, God becomes known to you in a way you never knew. We know theoretically We know God is in this place. It's part of our faith. We know that we can encounter God anywhere in the world, but what if that theoretical knowledge became heart knowledge for you? That would be something, right? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the importance of gratitude and thanksgiving in the life of faith. We're, we're, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and so we're going to talk about the importance. And this week, we're told that Thanksgiving opens that first door to God's presence. It is a key element. Now, that could be the uh, same kind of thing I was talking about this morning. When, when you are When you are in your head, when you are inside, and you're going... I got taxes to pay and grass to cut and, I, and, and my, my in-laws are acting crazy and, 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 you know, and all that swirling. You got this storm inside. Gratitude is when you turn that outside of yourself and find something to be thankful for. It, it's, like, it's like the first step in disrupting that, that narrative, that loop that's going on. Like if God's going to become present to you, in a way that God has never been present to you before, the first thing you got to do is disrupt that craziness. And life can get really crazy, and you can get wrapped up in that real fast. So find something to be grateful for. Man, that tree out there is changing color. I am so thankful for that. Yeah, you know? Like like in East Texas, you don't see a a whole lot of color, maybe not like you would see in, in New England, but there's a tree, and I'm thankful for that one, God. I have gas in my car. God, I'm thankful for that. See what I'm saying? It, it, it's the first step in, in turning that spotlight off of yourself and onto God. Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving, we're told this week, is the opens the first door to presence. Next week, We're going to talk about how Thanksgiving is connected to God's peace. And then the third week, we're going to talk about how Thanksgiving is tied to God's provision. Presence, peace, provision. Three things in which Thanksgiving intimately tied to. But man, that's hard. That's hard, especially on a day like today when life has just punched you in the gut. Right? I love Pat. I'm going to miss Pat so much. 
Wednesday was the last time I saw her. She was here watching the Christ Cinema with us, right? That's it. I, I hope that I hugged her. I hope that I told her I loved her. So what can I be thankful for when life is just like done you one? <laughs> but I think if you can just find one thing and it doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be monumental, find something to be grateful for and tell God, man, that's the first step. That's the first step. And I think from there, as you enter into those gates, as you enter into those courts, as you come into the presence of God, that's where deep healing is. The presence of God is deep healing, physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, anxiety, worry, right? That is the place where healing exists. Thanksgiving is the first step. And I think... Here, here's what you're going to find. And, and I really kind of thought Mike was going to be here today, and so I was thinking about how I was going to phrase this in light of that. I, I think when you come into the presence of God, what you find is that all the saints who have gone before you are there as well. It's a mystery. I don't know how that works. And so, so making yourself available preparing your heart and mind, and maybe, just maybe, coming into the presence of God carries with it all the saints who have gone before too. And you find out we're all here together. Gosh. Friends, may you know that presence today. May you find gladness and joy and thanksgiving and praise and singing, and stillness. And may you find deep healing and all that you need to get through this day and the next and the next and the next. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you all grab the hand of the person next to you? Um, I know there will be a memorial service for Pat here on Saturday, but that's all I know. Hopefully I'll meet with the family tomorrow uh, and get more information. As I know more, you will know more. I'll post it so that you know all about it and how you can help out if you want to with refreshments or whatever afterwards. So um, keep them in your prayers. Um, I will be doing Breakfast Club tomorrow morning. But then we're going to close the office tomorrow. Uh, in light of everything that's going on, we're just going to, we're going to take a day off of stillness. So if you need me, you can text me or call me. Um, I think that's all, because I, I really didn't give any announcements at the beginning. I think that's it, the important stuff, right? Okay, good. Receive this blessing. This is from Proverbs 18.24 and beyond. There is one who sticks closer than sister or brother, one who is closer than father or mother, one who is closer than even spouse or lover, one who is closer than your very self and yet is none other. May you find this one. 
whose presence melts all fears and loneliness and suffering and pain. May you find this one who refuses to dish out condemnation and revenge and judgment and shame. May you find this one who even now beckons you to give up your life so that you can find it again. As the dawn of eternity reveals that you and the one have become one and the same. In the name of this one who promises that those who seek shall find, go forth with this blessing until we are gathered either in this place or the next. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.